Hi guys, I'm Nadia, the creative editor for the NEP. Welcome to the first part of the Student Entrepreneurship Podcast. In the first part, I'm with Thomas and Hugo from Greener. So do you guys want to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what Greener is? Yeah, hi Nadia, thanks for having us. Um, my name is Thomas Panton, I'm the founder and CEO of Greener. Uh, and I'm Hugo Douglas-Dean. I'm also co-founder and uh, chief marketing officer. And Greener um, is all about accessibility for sustainable shopping. So we're building a multi-vendor marketplace, which brings vetted ethical brands, creating uh, more sustainable products into one place where we show the impact of those products. So we show how much carbon emissions, water and plastic is saved on every purchase um, to make it easier to purchase with a purpose. Okay, great. So the first question we have, um, how would you solve the issue of customers who do not want to be associated with the eco-movement? That's a great question. So I think Greener is all about accessibility and making it easier for everyone to buy better and shop more sustainably. So whether that's swapping out certain items, certain items um, around the home for great ethical alternatives or for people to learn more about issues that matter within that. Um, and I think for us, when we started, we looked around at what's out there. And when it comes to buying ethically, it's mostly very eco-warrior. And we don't necessarily identify with that, but also a lot of consumers don't necessarily identify that. Um, I don't know if you go want to talk a little bit about why the brand addresses that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, as Thomas said, we sort of did look around and 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 we felt like we didn't really identify with that kind of that kind of look and that kind of style of the movement. Um, so we really wanted to sort of build the brand um, and the platform to be um, kind of bolder, uh, cooler, you know, just a bit more trendy, a bit more accessible to people um, like us who don't who don't necessarily consider themselves like eco warriors um, in inverted commas there, um, like because there's no way, no two ways about it really um, living more sustainably um it's something we're all going to need to start doing um we've all seen the sort of the ipcc reports and uh, and all the sorts of environment reports in the last couple of years um so for us it's about making it easier more fun um and more approachable um and um i might pass back to thomas on I, i've wanted to say something about education as well actually and um he's 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 currently studying an msc in, in climate change so that's this might be a good thing for him to touch on actually yeah, so I think, you, you know, how do you engage people who aren't associated with the movement? Usually people aren't associated with the movement because it's just super complicated and really hard to engage with and interact with, um, especially once you get to the more scientific level. Like you shouldn't expect everyone to be climate scientists or sort of development economic uh, economists or anything like that to understand that there's a climate crisis and then make those changes right so greener has this huge focus on education but accessible education to help show people wherever they are on that journey sort of why the issues are important for all of us um, but then also how they can sort of join that movement without necessarily having to identify you know, as the eco-warrior, inverted commas, that, that Hugo was talking about. Um, I think, you know, finally, to sort of engage people, people like buying things. So there are really just loads of great products that people might not know are necessarily eco um, or, you know, the least sort of have heard about smaller ones or, or sorry, sorry, the mainstream ones like Patagonia or Vader Shoes, who are actually 
full of sustainability driven mission, but don't necessarily push that as their leading sort of title, right? And people might be buying those products without necessarily knowing they are actually already part of the movement. So, so that's really good. Okay, yeah, that's great. And um, what would you say, based on experience, experience, is an important key element to have when starting a business? Cool, yeah, so I'll take this from the beginning. Um, this is my second time starting a business and it comes down to being super passionate about what you're tackling, the problem that you're trying to solve um, and just loving your mission. Um, you can't embark on starting a business unless you are you know behind that 100% as an individual um, but the vision goes you know beyond that immediate plan I mean just to give you an example you know when I first started Greener it was like we're going to build Amazon but sustainable and we're going to offer like next day super eco-friendly delivery and all these things and it's going to completely revolutionize the e-commerce industry and whilst that might be a really long-term vision um, you've got to make it just break it down and break it down again and see how that relates to your customer or your end user um, what's their problem? What are they suffering with? And, and how is your solution going to help them do that? And then you can really get to the crux of that when you sort of tell them about your product or service. But obviously, it always comes from that point of, of passion and, and love for what you're doing and, and an interest in the sector that you're working in. Um, and I mean, I started this, you know, from coming out of another company, which I was a single solo founder. And I'm embarking on this mission with two great founders you know and that comes down to I mean a great team and, and I mean Hugo can talk a bit about that because you know he's a new founder yeah so yeah I I did help Thomas out on his on his first business and it was like it was such a um an amazing experience um to work with like a, a team of people but really Thomas was the the, the person leading that on on, on his own and, and I think that was probably you know, I imagine that was really tough. You know, I know how hard it mm. is just, you know, working in a team of three, as Thomas says. Um, so I think, yeah, surround yourself with with people that really um, that know what they're doing, but also, again, like, yeah, have that passion. Um, and I think that's the one, one thing that really just comes back to me, like, every now and then is is just how how much we're all just so passionate about it and how much how much we care about every part of it you know our roles i think in a startup and in any any kind of smaller business your roles do really kind of merge and, and you do a bit of everything um and i think we've got involved in every aspect of this business so you do have to sort of put wear lots of different hats i think that's another thing that you can have to be prepared to do um but just enjoy it i mean i'm i'm traditionally a mark from a marketing background um but i sort of really learned over the last couple of years that just um doing all these other parts of a, of a of a business are like really interesting to me and something i hadn't had any experience in so i think if 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 you know if nothing comes out of green if, if the whole thing falls apart <laughs> and goes up in flames i've at least i've learned so much in the last couple of years and, and i've learned a lot about myself and what i what i'm capable of um so i think you know um having that kind of going in with that sort of awareness of like having that you're going to be doing lots of different things um and I think yeah like covering off all the bases really um is really important obviously because um you know Thomas has got really good expertise in the financial side of things and the kind of um the projections and like looking at how, where the business is going um I've got that marketing kind of sales background um and and Emma our co-founder um has got that that tech background 
Um, so we really wanted to kind of couple the, all those build bases and, and build like an A team. Um, you know, so I think that's really important. Um, yeah, I think and, also like adding to that, you know, when you're starting a business, you don't have to know everything. Um, yeah. You know, if you go into it thinking that you are the smartest person in the world and you know all the answers to everything, then you're not going to get very far. And actually, you know, the people around you who you can listen to and learn from will help you build the best business and, and your idea that, yeah, it is your idea. That's fantastic. But then you can take that idea and actually make a sustainable economic business from it. And, you know, it's not a problem, you know, it's okay not to know everything. And actually we would probably encourage that. So, you know, when we work with, with other people, we want to be sort of the dumbest people in that room, right? We want to surround ourselves with super smart people and we'll always make sure that whoever we employ or whoever we work with, whether it's agency or intern, that whatever they're doing, they might actually know more than us and, and that's going to help us make a better business. Yeah, I, lo I love that idea of being the kind of the dumbest person in the room because it's <laughs> something that I think like, especially as a young founder and as a founder of like, um, you know, um, a business that will be, you know, working with lots of, um, we're, we're looking to really scale this and, and make it a really big business. And, and we will therefore need to employ lots of really, really knowledgeable people. So like, you know, I think we have to, we, I knew that we'd have to come to terms with this, this situation where, you know, you're employing people that know more than you. And I think that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a funny situation to be in, but it's great. Um, I remember when you, when you said that to me, Thomas, um, and I've heard it around since, and it's kind of quite. It's it's nice to know that that is, that's what you want to want to do. And it and it and it, when you think about that, you think about how, you know, your manager in your job, your day job, whatever it is, um, that you might have a more traditional career path. That's really what they're looking for as well. You know, you might not be at that point yet, but they they want to get you to that point. Um, so that's a really exciting thing I think for the future is 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 being aware of that and. Um, and looking forward to it as well. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. So um, last question, why do you think your business will emerge in the current world? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very good question. I mean, I don't want to, we don't want to sound arrogant when answering it, of course. Um, I think we really believe that we've made a business that is for the current world, of course, but is absolutely future focused as well. Um, we're going into a market which is growing more rapidly uh, than its sort of counter market. So ethical consumerism grew by 400% in the same time that household spending only grew by 2%. So we absolutely know that people want to be shopping better and that they're actually spending better as well, right? Um, so we know that that's going to be a market that's going to keep growing in the future, even though it might not be the, the dominant market right now. So, you know, we feel and, and from our research, and I think, again, you know, harking back to the previous question as well, you need to know your market fit. You need to know um, the, the sort of market validation and your consumer research, you know, make sure that people actually want what you're solving. <laughs> you know, if it's not a problem to most people, then you, you haven't got a business. And I think we have that, um, you know, the pandemic, I mean, has been a 
huge disruption and upheaval for businesses, um, but it's absolutely supercharged the growth for ethical consumerism and more sustainable products and a real insight into how a business is better and why are we, why are we supporting this business? And, you know, that really represents in the consumer way of shopping, you know, more than a third of UK shoppers said they were more concerned about climate change as a result of the pandemic. So these sorts of things are becoming more and more frequent. Hugo mentioned the IPCC report. These all bode really well for greener um but also just for any business that is focused on sustainability impact and purpose um it is the future investors know it consumers want it and businesses have to start changing because of regulations and laws so you know it makes absolute sense to build a business in that area now yeah and just to add to that like we when, when i helped you out thomas on with bestovers mm. um so so that business was um was looking at the the, the Festival waste crisis, um, and we were sort of talking to people um, during the festival, um, and and they were just they were so infused about the idea of the business. And I think there's something to be said really for you know no matter what your business model is, no matter like what how exactly you know the nitty gritty of how you work and what you know what your commission is and and how you're going to drive sales and all this stuff, you know as a as a kind of marketing officer and as like the person that like looks at our brand and, and is I'm trying to think about you know what is our like worth to like people in the UK that are like, looking at us and I think it's so rewarding to have this thing at the heart of our business that is we're trying to combat the climate crisis like this this mm. is really important and it, it we haven't really faced a sort of crisis like just like this you know ever ever in in humanity so I think you know it's really nice to have that um, that absolute focus like at the end of the day like no matter what we are doing that is kind of our end goal is is helping is helping do like fight that um, and helping people make better better choices um, so I think there's something in there's a lot of inherent worth in that which is I think how that how that sort of really prepares us for the future like no matter what is happening there's always going to be like we're always going to have to be thinking about this now from now on you know well, since yesterday, really, you know, from now on. Um, but and people, people are thinking about it. You know, um, I've did some research recently about Amazon um, and people who shop on Amazon, and um, a third of them feel feel guilty about shopping on Amazon. I mean, that is pretty monumental. A third of people who buy on Amazon feel guilty, and, and we've all, and I think we've all felt that. You know, when you have had to buy things on Amazon, people people are worried about environmental environmental impact, impact on workers' rights. And the, and the fact that they don't pay tax properly, um, you know, th those are the three, three real causes of that. So um, I think that does really prime us for the future. Yeah, definitely. And it just, I mean, it just comes down to that. Like we have a real chance to build something that focuses on offering a great solution, but a selection of solutions to people, right? Products. People like buying. We're not trying to change people's social mindsets. We're not trying to make them change their habits. They just have to go to a different website or open a different app. And suddenly their impact on this planet is drastically reduced because the products they're buying are all tailored and made by these great ethical companies that care about the planet, care about their people. And then suddenly we're able to buy in the same way we've been buying for the last you know, 20, 30 years, but we're able to do it in a more sustainable way. You know, what a fantastic thing to take into the future. And, and that's what we're really trying to do with Greener. Okay, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, guys, for answering Thanks, all the questions. Hi, everyone. I'm Nadia. Welcome to the second part of the Student Entrepreneurship Podcast. 
In this part, I'm with James and Mo from Squish. So do you guys want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what Squish is? Yeah, sure. So, so my name is James um, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Squish, um, which is a startup that started a couple of years ago. Um, and we've partnered with the University of East Anglia, of which we're both graduates. Um, and our aim is to produce single dose personal care pods. So kind of shampoo, conditioner, that kind of thing. So, and if you think about laundry pods and dishwasher tablets, it, it's a similar concept, uh, but for, for personal care. And, and that's what we're kind of aiming to do at the moment. I'll let Mo introduce himself now. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Mo. Like James said, we've, I've also studied at, um, at UEA and we met uh, during our master's course on the brand leadership course at UEA. Um, I guess that's all for now. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's get into the questions. Um, the first question we have, what are the sustainability issues within your sector? So um, it's, this is the most interesting question, I think, for us, because we the, the, the sustainability problems are the reason why we started in the first place. So the, the issue um, came from, I guess, James, you should say this part because it's, it, it, the, the light bulb moment happened with James. So if you want to say that part, James, and I'll continue after that. Yeah, so, so so the initial concept of Squish, I came up with the idea, basically when I was staying in a hotel bathroom, well, I was staying in a hotel, not actually in the bathroom, but um, in, in the bathroom, uh, there was a plaque that asks you to reuse the the uh, towels to help the environment, um, which is typical of, you know, kind of hotels all over the world. But it was sitting next to three of the miniature uh, shampoo conditioner bottles that, that are also typical of hotels all over um, that get kind of thrown away as soon as any of the amount of inside is used. And a lot of hotels say they like to recycle them, but a lot, of, we know a lot don't um, because the maids just kind of come in, put them in the bin and then, and then they're in landfill. Um, so I thought there must be kind of a better way um, to kind of stop greenwashing your customers and say you care about the environment and saying one thing and doing another thing. And so I thought, you know, there must be a better way to have liquid personal care products um, in like a hotel setting or something like that that didn't require plastic. And that's where the idea came from. And very early on, um, I, I got Mo involved. I said, I, I told him the idea. He liked the idea. We came up with the concept of, of pods. So you look to kind of laundry pods and dishwasher tablets, as I said before, um, this kind of dissolvable membrane. And, and the whole point is, you know, um, there's enough water in the shower to be able to to use personal care products that comes out of the shower. You, you, sh you shouldn't need to use a product um, which has a lot of water in anyway. Um, now, that, yeah, I guess that I guess that's how we started, Mo. I don't know if you want to add stuff onto that. Yeah, so so that's how the idea started. Was this sort of frustration of um, there has to be a better way for us to to consume personal care products like many other products but in particular personal care products where the packaging is heavily dependent on non-sustainable um, uh, solutions like plastic bottles uh, and so on so um, and we, we we dug a little deeper just to see the scale of the problem and uh, the numbers are, are quite astonishing so there's around from what we've seen the latest reports we can find suggest that there's there's over half a billion um, shampoo bottles are thrown out in the UK each year. Now that that sort of 
um, when you break it down, that's about 16 every second, which doesn't seem a lot, but when it adds up, it's a significant amount. And and to us, this is the this is a big issue, and it's a big issue for many people in the industry. But I think, um, and what we've seen is that we'll get onto this, I guess, later on. But um, a lot of the, the the development in the personal care industry has been around the formulation of the products. So whether it's shampoo or skincare, it's all been around um, formulation of the ingredients. And there's been some emphasis on the sustainability of those ingredients whilst ignoring the blatant issue of plastic. And, and um, there has been solutions. Again, we'll, I guess we'll talk about that as we go on. Um, but I think... And, and this this extends to uh, other areas. So um, hotels, for example, who use, like James already mentioned, um, there's around 200 million um, miniature shampoo bottles get thrown out each year. So these are staggering numbers, and they they add up to a, to a significant problem that has been the case and has been increasing for a long year for a long time. And really, no one's doing enough about it. And that that's that's where. Um, the issue was sort of, sort of so big that we thought, right, there's there's got to be something done, and let's let's see if we can come up with a solution. Um, and and I guess that yeah, our biggest reason to start was that the okay, plastic packaging is not sustainable. Can we create something something that is? Okay, yeah, great. And um, how is your business different from current market offerings? So obviously, I haven't talked about the. the the issue of plastic, um, naturally, our products are plastic-free. Um, we are developing um, uh, a film um, um, with with partners to um, basically encapsulate personal care products in a plastic-free membrane that is made from uh, um, plant-based um, ingredients. Now, as well as that, obviously, um, our... Um, I think the biggest difference from us, because there's a lot of companies that are trying to do plastic-free packaging in the form of refill services um, and things like that, but they're, they're, they don't really solve the problem. We don't believe they 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 reduce plastic, but they don't replace it. And our, our goal was really to use zero plastic completely without any compromise. And the biggest driver behind that is that, so me and James both studied on the brand leadership course, so we're very marketing and brand-led um, in our business so one of the things that we did so we don't have any science background and our products require a lot of scientific development um so the the thing that has helped us so far so we've been um running for well we, we started two years ago and the thing that has helped us get this far is our, our brand vision which james already talked about and also our values so i think the biggest thing as well as being plastic free i think for us that sets us apart from what's already out there is that we put our brand and values at the core of every decision we make. Now there's been, as with any startup, there's always points of, okay, should we actually keep pushing this way or should we compromise and use a bit of plastic or not? And it was always, always those values that we set out very early on that at the time we thought, okay, actually this is becoming a bit of a hindrance, like it's stopping us from making commercially sensible decisions. Um, but those were commercially sensible, but actually didn't help the environment actually harm the environment so we always come back to those values um now again what's already out there the, the refills and the the for example shampoo bars are really good for the environment they're great they, they don't come in and pack any um plastic packaging however the the use um so the the, the consumer use of it that the, the experience is not as good as liquid products um so 
Um, in terms of what we're trying to achieve, we're trying to achieve something that isn't out there, creating a liquid um, personal care product that has no plastic and is sustainable in every shape or form. And we look at that from like from our suppliers to any ingredients we use goes through that lens of, is it um, environmentally friendly? We also have other credentials like being um, vegan and not tested on animals, no animal products. Um, so and we use that lens whenever there is a potential supplier. We look at every single step of that to make sure that it's not just the the film that is plastic free yet with harming the environment in many other ways um yeah i don't know if there's anything i've missed james or you want to add no i i i think the key thing that you said was was the no compromises thing um because uh the the question being how how are we different and we, we with a lot of environmentally friendly solution that there, there are compromises you have to make like mo said for for shampoo bars our, our research our kind of research has found that they don't offer the same quality or performance as liquid products so the cost it's on the customer to make the compromise if they want to be environmentally friendly you know if if you're buying liquid products you're making a compromise on being environmentally friendly because you're you're buying it in a, in a plastic bottle and the refill services you're making a compromise because the emphasis is on you to do more and it takes your time to you know send the product back and 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 make sure you get it again and and that kind of thing and and refill services you know like Mo said they don't eliminate plastic it, the end of life for those kind of sachets is still is still landfill at the end they can only be recycled so many times There's, it can't be recycled in, infinitely so so i think that's the main difference just finding something that can consumers won't have to compromise on um but they can still feel like they're doing their bit yeah and i, th I think i think time has come for companies to take the responsibility away that we strongly believe it's time for new startups or existing businesses to take that responsibility away from the consumer to put something in recycling because we all we all do it yes but to solve the plastic crisis, it needs to, there needs to be a bigger change. And if we have to rely on consumers to do the right thing, which they may, and we're consumers too, we know that we may change our behaviours in the short run, but things happen, life gets busy, and then we forget. And recycling is one of those things that, unfortunately, we don't do enough of, and we, we have tried. And if it worked, then we wouldn't be here. And, and I think recycling just, it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. It's better than throwing it into landfill. But as James already in, um, me, um, mentioned, plastic, this isn't um, well known. I don't think, I didn't know this until we researched it. Plastic can only be recycled once. And this isn't something that the any packaging, plastic packaging mentioned, which I think is quite annoying personally because when you buy a, a bottle of water that says um uh, made from recycled plastic that makes me feel good or did until i realized that once i'm done with this plastic bottle because it's already been made from recycled material the only place that bottle is going is landfill so um and and i think one of our biggest things is to to sort of take that sort of um greenwashing and also like we've done our bare minimum that we can do to be a good company and we can now wash our hands of the guilt that our products sort of um the damage that our products cause so we we, we really take it very very granular and to to to, to sort of obsessive levels almost because i think that's what this this crisis needs yeah that's great so um Last question, what advice can you give for those who want to start a sustainable business? 
Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. And, and I, I, you know, there's so many answers you can give. And I've written a, a few things down that, that I've thought of, but um, everyone's experience is going to be different and everyone will, will start a business in their own way. So I think one of the key things is just finding your way, how you like to do business and, and doing it. But some of the key things that really helped us. Um, so the first thing I've written down is to, is to build a network very early, uh, a good network of, of, of like-minded people. And even if they're not, you know, business partners just just accelerators incubators things like that there, there's things that exist to literally help you start up a company um and so i would say build a network early 99 of people who you reach out to will want to help and you know if you if you speak to a lot of people all that advice really adds up and 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 you can you know you can get opinions from all over and it can really clarify your kind of vision and where you want to go quite early. And then they, they stay along for the ride. We, we have people who have been with us, you know, for two years They're not part of the company, but they love to know how we're doing and, and they give us advice. And, you know, these are, these are business owners, these are uh, academics, everything. Uh, so it's, it's really nice to have that kind of sounding board as well for, for big decisions. Um, and when you go to put uh, an advisory board together, um, they, they'll be able to help you there as well. The second thing I said uh, I've written down is to do do your research early. So before you even start, you, you need to do quite a lot of research uh, and spend time diving into the kind of what is the problem you want to solve? Um, how are you how do you want to do it and, and understand kind of what everyone else in that space is doing to, to try and solve it? Um, and, and, and ultimately how you're going to be different and better than them because because that's what if, if you're looking to grow big that's what investors will ask and, and will want to see is, is how you're going to be bigger how you're going to be better and what aren't they doing so so definitely do your research early um, um, and then uh, third thing I've put is to actually kind of it sounds stupid but actually start doing something because I know for a lot of um people looking to start a company uh, especially kind of with us young people who've got other things going on maybe maybe they're doing their degree at the same time maybe they've just got a job or a graduate job um, but they they want to start a company it's very hard to to actually start and, and and where do you start because um you know you not everyone can just quit their job and start a company it, it's not easy at all um so there's little things i think you can do kind of yeah, the weekend in an evening little bits of research or and you'll find that these little things you do to, to, to start your company really add up and then kind of before you know it you've got enough to kind of build a business plan and and, and take it further and then make the leap so it's kind of de-risking it a little bit you don't want to just all of a sudden stop everything and jump in um but it is really important to to actually make a start and do these little things to to, to keep the flow mo to keep the flow going um, then I said, um, get some early justification um, as to the potential of your concept. And this can be done through speaking to friends, to, to family, to colleagues, um, you know, make, make some questionnaires. You can, you, you can do this kind of online questionnaires you can do. You can try and get your friends and network to do them for free. And there's obviously also paid options um, if you want to invest a little bit to kind of get some validation from potential customers as to, you know, is there going to be demand for what you want to do? Um, is, is it worthwhile to do it? And I think that that's going to be a key thing in your business plan is to show 
you know there is demand for this it, it isn't if it's a new concept you you have to show that um, and what it can also do is highlight potential issues that maybe you haven't seen um, because people like to give feedback and um, if you say you know we want feedback about everything then it, it, you can tackle some of the hurdles early so they don't come at a later time when you're pitching for you know millions to investors and, and there's something you haven't thought of so um, I would say that and then the last thing which Mo's actually already touched on, which was about, you know, how we're quite brand led, which was natural for us because we, we you know, we're both from a branding and marketing background. We've both worked in that industry and, and done our masters in it. But I would say if the company is very early and you don't have a product and you're prototyping, then you need to be able to sell the vision. And, and I think that's what we've been quite good at because, it, you know, we're quite a high tech company. It's, it's taken a lot of R&D. Um, we, we can't put physical products in front of people to, to, to kind of show them all the time. So what you have to do is you have to build a kind of a, a brand, basically, and, and a vision. And, and like I said, values and things like that. And then you have to make others believe in that and believe you're going to do this. And, and, and if they can see the potential that adds value to your to your business early, even if you haven't actually got the thing that you're going to be selling or, or anything like that. Um, so we, really, we've we've kind of overdeveloped our brand for the stage that we are at. A lot of companies, tech companies, if they're doing research, they don't they don't invest in marketing until, you know, they're ready to go. But um, we've kind of done it the other way around and, and, and we've been successful with it. You know, we've been able to sell the vision, which is which is really good. Um, and, and, and yeah, people have bought into it. You know, UEA has been been uh, massive for us in, in helping and they've really bought into the vision and, and it's great to be working with them. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Can I add also? So there's, there's James touched on a lot of things there, but I think I just want to reiterate um, some some of the points. Um, I think the, the, the biggest thing that, that I've learned through this is that because we've done a, a business and then a, a, a branding or marketing masters afterwards, we, we assumed we, we knew everything, but um, we, we didn't. And the, the, the biggest thing that it's, it's been a humbling experience because you, you sort of have to still be ready to learn because there's it's a whole new process and neither of us has, have, have been involved in a startup before. So I would say don't be afraid to learn. Don't be like every day is a learning curve um, and and don't be afraid to change um, things from based on what you've learned. If it means that you have to change some deadlines or some parts of your business, don't be afraid to do so. We thought when we started that we'd have something ready for market in six months and we're two years down the line and, and we are we are not quite there still. So again, like be patient. Things things do work slowly, especially when you rely on external um, suppliers and external partners uh, who have different levels of bureaucracy and different levels of sort of stages that you have to pass to get things through. Um, so things move slower than what we expected. So patience is a key. And I think I just want to re reiterate that the support that's out there for, for startups, especially at UEA and the Enterprise Centre, the support is there. All, all people have to do. And this is the, it sounds easy, but it's the part that people forget is to sort of ask for that help. We've been like overwhelmed by the support that we get when we ask for it um, through the UEA and the Enterprise Center, through funding, through mentoring, you know, coaches. It, it's out there and there's some really, really good, knowledgeable people that are really just ready to help. They're just ready to help without 
really wanting anything else in return. So um, there's plenty of funding opportunities. There's always new um, sort of grants and things that, that pop up, especially in the sustainable startup area, because it's, it's an area that is very hot with, with especially through government funding and that sort of thing. So really look out there and speak to as many people as you can that, that are in that space. Um, because money can be one of the biggest things, like if not the biggest thing for a startup to find the money to do what you want to do, because because without money and and you know for students especially or people straight out of university that money might not be there. So the support is out there. Um, just look for it and ask for it, and 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 hopefully there will be someone there to help, like there was for us. And and finally, just on that branding thing, we've we've been involved in pitches and practice pitches and like real pitches with investors, and we've seen extremely good ideas that are near completion or completed ready for market but they have not thought about their brand at all until that stage and that's the thing that holds back holds them back from receiving investment so we've overdeveloped our brand but to be honest that's the benefit there's actually benefits to that rather than negatives because because we've seen that how much of a problem it can be if you don't have a brand and if you don't have um uh all the other sort of strategy and part of, of your launch ideas and things in place and you focus so much on R&D and developing your product that you forget those things and you're asking for investment and, and or trying to raise money and the question gets asked, okay, so who who's your target market? And we've seen people not have an answer to that and that can be, you know, quite devastating at that stage. So keep that in mind, develop your product but also remember to develop um, your brand and how you're always having the back of your mind. How am I going to take this to market? How am I going to get people to buy this? Because ultimately, without that, then there's nothing to to sort of launch with. Okay, perfect. So that's all the questions that we have. Um, thank you guys so much for answering them. Um, I think that's it for this part. 